0: You're listening to Radio Influence.
1: You are sitting ringside with David Penzer
2: on Radio Influence.
3: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and we are so glad that you are back again this week to listen To this thing we call a podcast. Coming up, we're going to have a fun interview conversation with second generation wrestler Wes Briscoe. And I think you're going to, Wes has a great sense of humor. And I think uh, uh, growing up, Briscoe should make for some interesting stories. Plus, we'll talk about his career and his future plans. Guys had a few bad breaks uh, in his career, but uh, he is a top talent and a nice guy. So, looking forward to talking to Wes. And I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, as most people know, it was a big week for WWE uh, as far as revenue goes. Uh, they got a huge uh, offer that they've accepted from Fox, uh, and like not like Fox Sports One, like the Fox Network uh, for SmackDown. And in kind, USA Network has increased their significantly the money that they are going to pay for raw so i think like we're talking billions of dollars over five years and i have opinions on 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 this story but i don't have a lot of facts so i wanted to try something new and i hope you enjoy it and bring on a top pro wrestling insider to sort of tell us the inside scoop and maybe talk about their interpretations of big stories like this one so without further ado and we thank him. He is on the road heading to North Minnesota for a holiday. But I thank him for his time. Longtime owner of Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter. Please welcome Wade Keller to City Ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wonder, is pro wrestling dead? Is the business dead? Uh, <laughs> I'd say not. And uh, what a big week for WWE. Uh, wanted to bring on a top wrestling insider to talk about all the big news this week. So from Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter, uh, please welcome the one and only Wade Keller. Wade, how are you?
2: Doing great, David. Thanks for having me on.
3: Yeah, Hey, thanks for being here. Hopefully we can do it uh, when yeah. big stories break. Hey, just so just just to let you know uh, how far back I go with the I'm going to look like a Mark and <laughs> I don't care. I was always so worried about looking like a Mark and now that I have my own podcast, I kind of relish in it. I subscribed to your newsletter when it came with like a gl- an 8x10 photo.
2: That's crazy. That's going way back.
3: Yeah. So, uh,
2: how, how, how old were you when you first subscribed?
3: Uh, probably around 20, 22. Uh, yeah. so, How'd you hear about it? I'm 52 now. Uh, Alex Marvez, who we recently had on as a guest, uh, I'm not sure if if you know him. He, uh, yeah, well, of course. Kind of broke yeah. in the business with him. He smartened me up to the Observer and, um, and then, you know, once I was, uh, I read the observers, I was hooked to get all the news I could, you know, I was, I was like a sponge dying to, you know, inhale as much information as I can. But, uh, but yours is the second one I subscribed to after the observer. And at that point, uh, you know, it kind of like word would get, I don't even remember how word we're getting off subject, but just interesting <laughs> story. I don't even remember how I would have known there was no internet. There were, they, 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 Meltzer definitely wasn't, uh, uh, you know, wasn't, promoting you I don't even know that's a good question but I ended up subscribing to about six or seven of them Steve Beverly had a, a one I can't believe I remember that name and um and uh Dave yeah. Dave Shearer and 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 but uh but yeah I remember uh, I don't remember what I had for dinner last night but I remember mm-hmm. that it came with a little uh color photo I was never a photo guy but anyway we digress big week for WWE I would, wanted to have you down and break it down for us if you could
2: It is a uh, massive week in WWE history.
3: So, uh, Rob was picked up uh, by USA and got a raise, I believe. They got a raise. I don't know if you call it a raise. It got more money. And then I I think you could tell me if it was surprising. I hadn't heard any rumblings about it, but you're way, way, way more tuned to what's going on than I am. Uh, SmackDown was picked up by Fox, not like Fox Sports 1 or by like real Fox television. And uh, I guess you could correct me, uh, I hear they're going to air it Friday nights.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, right now, I, I don't know how much is verified, um, but because we're basing this on, on media reports from reliable sources. But the Friday thing isn't quite um, fully verified you know by WWE saying yeah this is a final thing but there was a media report out that the show's likely moving to Fridays which is a big change for WWE. I mean to have Raw on Monday and, and Smackdown on Friday goes back to a, a way that it used to be. Uh, and and it comes with some pros and cons uh, from a I assume Fox for at 4 million dollars per episode which is crazy money. Yeah, it's amazing. are, are going to want a live show. They're not going to want spoilers out. So I assume WWE's production crew will either be split in half or or just, you know, work work Early in the week and late in the week. Right now, it's really convenient because they can do back-to-back nights and the same arena sometimes on back-to-back nights and save on production costs. But unless Raw moves to Thursdays or Saturdays, uh, they're not going to be back-to-back if SmackDown moves to Fridays. But it really does—it uh, really does change things for WWE. It—it—it it, it, it makes TV rights fees a much a, a much bigger percentage of the revenue pie than it's ever been. Doesn't make the fifteen million dollars in gross revenue they make from the network irrelevant, but they're making sixty million a month, roughly, from SmackDown now, not counting Raw. So, wow. Uh, and, and with the with the associated costs, um, you know, profit wise, TV just became a lot more profitable than even pay-per-views. You know, the the each individual episode around SmackDown will probably be making more money than the Sunday live events, the Sunday pay-per-views. But it's hard to gauge because how many people are subscribing just for the pay-per-views compared to other content. So it's, you know, a little, it, it's, it's not a you can't do an apples to apples comparison, but it, it changes the industry. I mean, Vince is for five years now, uh, Vince is, is going to be less accountable for some of the smaller metrics that used to guide him. You know, David, from the, the Monday night war era, the the Tuesday ratings, you know, you'd live and die on those. And now it's a shoulder shrug because, you know, unless there's a big downward trend um, it, it just you know, a week to week and seasonal ups and downs just won't matter that much. Cause they have this guaranteed money coming in for five years.
3: Now re- wrestling. It's not like there's like, they, they cut a big angle and, and, and like the attitude error, like it's on, it's not really on fire. I mean, monetary wise, no, it's on no. fire. Uh, what is it that these networks are paying for so much money for that? They, that they're getting is it the fact that very uh, most people DVR stuff now. So they're looking for live television. Is that what the uh, advantage is?
2: You, you hit it. You hit it. I mean, it, it's crazy because wrestling was looked at, looked down upon, you know, Jamie Kellner. Uh, yeah, Tell canceled. me about that. I remember that. Yeah. You know, the head of TNT was like, ah, wrestling, we're a highbrow drama network. And, and you know, had the ratings, you know, the people who were part part of the downfall tell a different story and I'll push back against it. Had WCW been as strong as they were a few years earlier with ratings and they weren't losing tens of millions of dollars a quarter uh they would have kept them around i mean i think they would have found room in the portfolio for that a show that highly rated even if they had to plug their nose a little bit at the content but it was losing so much money there was so much political upheaval and the ratings had sunk to levels that just didn't make it worth it because the advertisers weren't willing to pay for wrestling for wrestling fans to see their ads at the same rate they're willing to pay for people who are watching close to 20 years later you know more than 15 years later and and these networks are just wanting wrestling because wrestling fans 52 weeks a year watch as a point in television millions a week and they and the vast majority watch live still and with hulu and amazon prime and especially netflix not to mention dvr on cable systems and sling and all these other options it really is. a world where, you know, USA network used to be able to put, come up with hit dramas Uh, only five years ago. They were number one and they had all these great, you know, feel good dramas with a blue sky and detectives doing zany things. And they can't get another hit because people are watching higher end television on demand and, and, and uh, uh, binge watching on Netflix and Hulu. So wrestling is filling a spot now and WWE is absolutely Johnny on the spot. They are in the right place at the right time to take advantage of this. This is not a result of them doing anything great in terms of storylines and angles and wrestlers. They are just steady and they're reliable. And the, the good thing is three years ago, ratings were higher, you know, like Raw's averaging about a 2.2, two years ago, they dropped down to a 1.8, something last year, this year it didn't drop. It just stayed the same last year. It was panic that there were not panic, but last year doing a 1.8 was like, Oh God, when will this, when will this stop? The, the sky is falling, and now just steadying that is so much better than almost everything else on television. That the networks are going, oh my god, the free fall stopped for them. It seems like the, they're steady at you know in this one point eight range. Let's just let's sign them for five years. And I don't know that this deal will come up anything close to it five years from now because the landscape is going to be so different.
3: Yeah, uh, they actually, uh, and I think this is why they they pa- they were panicking so much about the ratings drop. They cut the pyro. Is that correct?
2: They cut pyro for a variety of reasons. Um, I think they got tired of dealing with fans complaining about it, because um, you know there'd be one or two people in a building who would complain about ear issues, or or it startled them, or gave them heart heart palpitations. I mean, and then, but they were. I mean, they were really trying to cut back on budget. I just think they looked at it and said, is this really delivering anything anymore? Uh, is is there any value in doing this and all the risks associated anytime you're doing that? And it just was like, big deal. I mean, they're just like, I don't think, I think they gave it eight seconds of thought and said, hey, is a pyro really doing anything for us? And they're like, no, are we, you know, is it is it irritating some people? Yeah, well, people miss it a little bit, but they're not going to not watch because of it. And what does it add to our quarterly bottom line to make us look good? And someone said, well, we're spending this much per week times 13 weeks, we'll knock this off our budget. And that's more than eight seconds, so maybe a minute. And they said, yeah, let's do that. That'll make us look like we're doing good things because now our profits will be higher than they would be. I mean, I- I'm, I'm amazed at how many people like care about that and talk about it that much. Cause, but people do, you know, I, some people really miss it or think it's a big deal that it's not there.
3: So here's the million dollar question, Wade. And what, what
2: billion? the, the
3: main billion. reason I wanted to, uh, to have you on, which show becomes the a show.
2: That's a great question. <laughs> I, I think there's a chance that the, the, the roster split ends, that they, they merge the rosters. Cause I don't think Fox is paying top dollar. To not have Ronda Rousey and not have Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. But I also think they want Shinsuke and Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. So my hunch is a year and three months from now, and I'm, I'm like 55, 45 minutes. I'm not strong, but I, I'm leaning towards them just merging the rosters because the shows aren't on back-to-back nights anymore. And because they're in different networks and very different times of the week in all likelihood, they're going to reach... A different audience. And so I think if they just have a are disciplined about not overexposing the top guys twice a week, that they might, especially now that pay-per-views are dual brand again. My hunch is the, the roster split goes away again. If it doesn't, then I think they're going to feel pressure depending on what the final number is and NBC Universal is paying, they're gonna have pressure to make those rosters truly even looking. So that Fox doesn't look anymore. well, Brock and Ronda and Reigns are on Raw. And John Cena is never on SmackDown. Um, this isn't fair. That's not what we paid for. So, yeah, I, I assume that there's something. Vince is getting this money either. You know, B is getting this money either way, but they want their partners to be happy and they want the viewership to be strong enough that they get a good reputation. And and by the way, it still matters how many viewers they have, because if they have more viewers, even if the flat fee for their revenue was the same, they want people watching because those people turn into Ticket buyers, merchandise buyers and network subscribers and social media statistics. So they still have an incentive to have as many people watch as possible, not to mention five years from now, they'd like to look good enough to get another big TV deal. So you can't ignore the ratings for four years and then decide to try in the fifth year. You got to try the whole time and not lose people. So I think fact on a become equals. I, I think that, that it'll be hard to tell the difference with the kind of money that both shows are getting. And certainly Fox broadcast network and getting co-promoted on NFL games and stuff that that's going to give off the vibe of it being the a show.
3: I agree. To I agree with you a hundred percent. They, I, in my opinion, and which means nothing to them. Uh, but in my opinion, they, they need to cut the separate brands when they do this. Um, if you have all the talent on both shows and you tell stories Mondays to Fridays to Mondays with a, Sunday pay-per-view thrown in the middle once a month. To me, that's the, the way that you keep everybody happy. I agree with you a thousand percent.
2: Yeah. Yep. And I mean, I think you can do it the other way, but I, I think it, it's, it's more difficult. Like you I'm, said,
3: I'm, like you said, why is seen on 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 uh, on uh, uh, USA? Why is Rousey not, not on Fox? We're Fox, you know, they're USA. We're, uh, you know, yeah. it, it opens them up to two, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but Opens them up to too many problems uh, and hassles. Hey, Wade, real quickly on a scale from one to ten, one being not at all, and ten being shocked. Uh, how surprised were, were were you that all in uh, sold out in thirty something minutes?
2: Uh, seven, seven. I, I was, I was surprised. Um, maybe eight. I mean, under thirty minutes, eight. Under two hours, you know, seven. So, I mean, for Splint Hairs, in terms of how quickly it happened um you know probably an 8 but i, I and I, I but i didn't have any confidence like this ha- this was just unprecedented nobody had ever tried this nobody ever made a big deal through social media with eight stars from the indie scene in new japan uh on billboards and doing the social media push and using the podcast network uh not 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 capital podcast network small p small n just the network of podcasts sure. out there to promote to promote an event like this and build good for a couple of years like they have no one had ever tried it. So there, nobody knew. Like, I, I think Cody is honest when he says he thought it would take a month to sell out, but that they'd have, you know, 6,000 tickets sold the first day. So, you know, that's where seven and eight comes from. But I, I can't say that it was like, that I've, it wouldn't have shocked me if they tap, if they ended up with 8,000 sold and didn't sell out. You know, I mean, that that's not an unreasonable, that would have, I think, still been a success, just not reaching their goal. But this was special. I think, I don't know if they can repeat it, but I don't know that they can't on a regular basis. Um, Not every month, but I think, I think they, they will and ought to try because I think they're onto something. And I do think there's just a sense of wanting to support owned and operated an owned and operated big time show uh, that where the wrestlers own and operate the show, they promote it. And there's not a corporation. I think the sellout was an endorsement of the young bucks and Cody and Kenny Omega in that group but it also i think was a a statement against wwe's war on fans especially the male demographic who feel like they're not being served
3: yeah absolutely i would i would have thought it would have they would they would have sold out with a walk-up but i would have never thought in a million years and like we've said before your your ear is way more glued to this than i am but uh i I was shocked but uh I'm, i'm happy for them uh you know it takes some cojones to put your money where your mouth is. And they did, and it worked for them. And like you said, whether they could do it again, a lot of that, and this may be a conversation for another week, but a lot of that may have to do with how aggressive WWE starts using that, some of that money to go after talent.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think with that money they could, and that's another aspect of the story is do they get predatory? Does Vince McMahon do to other promotions? What he complained Ted Turner was doing to him in the late, you know, mid nineties, um, they're going to do what's best for stockholders. They're going to do what's best for business. And they certainly don't have to penny pinch, um, when it comes to talent and they might make some offers, uh, that some wrestlers can't turn down. That said, there's this flip side, which is now that they have so much money coming in, maybe they don't, maybe they're not, uh, uh, predatory or petty, uh, petty or, or, uh, not worried about these other smaller groups and they're just like you know jim ross would always say it back in the day with the online ross report on WWE.com. we, we want the competition to do well you know we, we, it's, they're not a threat to us um i'm not sure how much that was shared with other executives but wwe might take that attitude which is hey if other guys are doing well that just makes the industry better and stronger and it helps develop talent and you know look at how drew mcintyre left and now came back a more polished act you know they can benefit from that happening even if it's outside the Osc- of NXT developmental.
3: Absolutely. Hey, thank you. I know your time was extremely valuable today. Thank you so much for uh, your take on, on the news. Uh, big week for WWE. Uh, big last week for All In. And uh, go to pwtorch.com and check it out if you haven't already. Wade, thank you so much and uh, appreciate your time.
2: Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it.
3: City Rigside is sponsored by Good Cigar Company, and we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. Father's Day is getting closer, and forget brunch this year or Hawaiian shirt. Do something different for Dad. Give him his own personal tobacconist with a Good Cigar Company subscription. As a matter of fact, take him to brunch, and then you guys could smoke a cigar just to sort of end the day on a good note. Good Cigar Company gives you everything you need for a great price, 30 bucks plus 10% off just for our listeners. Cigars have always been great gifts, but if you are a novice, if you're not an aficionado and you walk into a cigar store, it could be darn hard to navigate. It's hard to tell what scent you want, what strength you want. But Good Cigar Company makes it simple. Just pick a strength level, and they send you top-shelf cigars at a great price. If you're not an aficionado, you may not have a cigar cutter handy. You may not have a humidor. Not everybody does. Cigar smoking requires all that equipment, but Good Cigar Company also makes that easy. Each pack comes with premium cigars and everything needed to light up. The pack itself even acts as its own humidor, so the cigars stay fresh for months. You could go on their website, goodcigar.co, and they show you right on the front page everything that comes in a pack. Two premium cigars, double guillotine cutter, humidity sealed pack as we mentioned earlier they include detailed tasting notes also if you're a novice how to smoke a cigar guide and they even provide the matches so you can light up when it's time go to goodcigar.co that is goodcigar.co and use the promo code ringside for 10% off any subscription great father's day gift so go now to goodcigar.co enter the promo code ringside you'll be glad you did ladies and gentlemen, it's one thing to be a second-generation wrestler. There are a lot of them out there. It's another thing to be a second-generation wrestler under the Briscoe uh, family name. Jack Briscoe, former World Heavyweight Champion, and uh, my next guest father, Jerry Briscoe, legendary figure uh, in the sport of professional wrestling and still works for WWE, finding talent uh, for their uh, their performance center, so... Please welcome. He's also a good guy, and uh, I'm ha- happy to call him a friend. Uh, Wes Briscoe, welcome to Sitting Ringside. Glad you're able to pop on.
1: Oh, man, I've been waiting so long <laughs> to be, uh, here on the uh, years on Sitting at Ringside, man. I can't believe you finally had me on the show, man. We've been friends for a very, very long time now. Finally, finally got me on the show.
3: I was going to leave this question to, uh, to later on, but... Uh, but since you're you're being a wise ass, which is fine. I, I'm a, I'm all for wise asses. So I thought I'd add I'm going to ask the que- this question first. What's worse, your boss being Dixie Carter or Brian Nobbs for Legends of Wrestling? Oh. you know
1: what? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to have to say Dixie Carter because you know what? I can I can I can tolerate Nobbs, and at least I can talk with him. Dixie, there really wasn't a talk with her. Her her way or the highway.
3: So you weren't a Dixie Carter fan, huh? You know what, I was, to be honest with you, I was cool with her. I really had
1: no problem with her. Never, never had any issues with her or just never, you know what I mean? It was never, she just, I just felt like this didn't run her company the right way. You know what I mean? Like she had all the talent in the world and she just didn't use it the correct way. Because when I was there at the time, our roster was hot and we were doing really, really good things. And, you know, from top to bottom, we had top players and for some reason, they just kind of just let it go. I don't know. It just kind of went downhill. So, you know, but, uh, Ryan is doing a really good thing with legends of wrestling, him and Goldberg. And I feel really blessed to be a part of that stuff. And they are doing really good shows all over the place. So everyone should definitely check them out at legends of wrestling. Good plug. And, uh,
3: yeah, I wonder what Dixie Carter is going to think of that—that that, uh, that that Brian Knobs is a, a better person to work for. Uh, we'll get back to TNA, but uh, you know, I, I've been open about my feelings with Dixie. Dixie is, was always good to me. I don't have a problem with her whatsoever uh, on a personal level. It just always—I always wondered. It always seemed to me like it was more more important for her to get Twitter followers than it was to put out uh, good product that that was profitable. So, uh,
1: And you know what? And I, told, and I totally agree with you. She is, I personally, I have no problems with her at all. And I think she's a great person. But business-wise, just like you said, she was more worried about getting her action figure out than trying to get other young talent's action figures out or trying to pump young talent and create them to the next level.
3: Yeah, as we've seen a lot in this business, it's easy to want uh, to uh, be the star, especially when you have the final say. So, um, speaking of being a star, uh, you're, uh, come from a lineage that's pretty unbelievable in amateur wrestling and in professional wrestling. Uh, so I'm curious, what age did you realize what your dad did and, uh, what did you think about it? I
1: mean, I mean, I've always knew what my dad did. Like I always, you know, cause I grew up in the business and of course, you know, having guys like. Andre the Giant show up at your house, and you know, people like Blackjack Mulligan or Wahoo, or just, you know what I mean? Um, Hillbilly Jim still in my bed at like 12 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? Like, I've always knew because you don't really come across guys. Hold on, this. you were
3: in bed with Hillbilly Jim?
1: No, I was sleeping, and I guess it was one night after the show, and then my dad's like, oh, the boys come stay at my house. So everyone came to my dog's house, and my dad, of course, kicked me out of bed, and I just sleep on the couch. And Billy Jim stole my bed.
3: <laughs> there you go. That's a story.
1: Yeah, you know, you don't say to a guy that's you know six foot seven and well over three hundred pounds.
3: Well, you know what they say. They say don't go messing with a country boy. Yeah. Sounds like lyrics to an entrance song.
1: Yeah, I, I would mess with him this age, but you know, of course, being you
3: know a little ten year old, I didn't know what to think. So you always knew what your dad did. Oh, at what point did you realize this is pretty cool, or this isn't cool, or
1: uh, you well, know, like, and, I mean, here's the thing, um, beginning, I you know always knew about the N.W. and I always followed it. I knew he was you know a stud. You know, he was someone you didn't want to mess with. He was a shooter, and then it became about middle school. Probably about middle school, right before high school, where they started doing the Stooges gimmick.
3: At the time, I have that question written down. You must have been and, in high school,
1: yeah. And at, and at the time, I didn't, I didn't really understand it. I was like, man, I always, you know, thought my dad is this badass, and here he is on TV wearing the dress, and of course he's on the, you know, top segments with the Rock, Stone Cold. I mean, some of his segments drew eight. You know, like some of his segments were some of the highest segments on Monday, Monday night Raw during the energy, era, which that's pretty crazy. Just being a stooge. And two, he was also too a, um, two time hardcore champion at the time, you know, like, so, he, <laughs> but I, it was weird because I got in a lot of fights in school and stuff because people would make fun of my dad and be like, Oh, I saw your dad on TV doing this and this. And you know, your dad's a joke. He was wearing makeup and you know, I always looked up to my father. So, you know, I'd be like, Hey, don't talk about my dad or you're gonna get punched in the face.
3: Yeah, it's amazing how the businesses evolved that a guy with the reputation in this, uh, in this state, in this city uh, of Tampa, Florida that, that I live in and, and, and you were, you grew up in, uh, that it would get to a point where your dad was, you know, wearing dresses and the kids were making fun of him. Because when I was growing up, you know, the Briscoes, you know, along with Dusty Rhodes, were as, uh, uh, were as uh, big as you could get in this territory.
1: Well, not even that, you know, my dad and my uncle with, uh, legendary amateur wrestling. Yeah. You know, they were, you know, legit. My dad and my uncle were legit badasses. asses. They were someone that, you know, whether it was in the ring or out of the ring, they kicked your the ass. Uh,
3: did you, yeah, I, I, uh, I know that for a fact. Did you, not that they've ever kicked my ass, but I, 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 know of their backgrounds. Like I said, growing up as a fan of Florida wrestling, uh, did you follow wrestling as as a fan or was it more that oh this is something my dad did?
1: You know, and I've always been a fan of it. I mean, how can you not? If you're not a fan of it then you don't have to fall in love with it, you know, you kinda gotta be fan to fall in love with it. And you know, I always loved the art form, you know, the you know, I've always, you know, been a super fan of it, but you know, at the at the age of like at the end of high school I kind of want to work my own way you know i kind of want to do something different so that's when i chose to out of becoming a professional wakeboarder and i had to travel all over the world and have my own professional wakeboarder. i was in the x game so i got to do all these crazy extreme sports and bungee jump and i kind of wanted to kind of set myself and make my own path a little bit away from my father and then all of a sudden i was sitting with my uh, uncle jack and I just, he was telling me some stories, and I just somehow, something got a hold of me and just got that itch, and I talked to my dad, and, you know, I was like, I want to start training again, and he goes, are you sure? He goes, I'm not going to let you do it unless you're 100 you know, you're 110%, you're going to give it your all, and I was like, yes, sir, he goes, you're done with wakeboarding and all that, and I was like, yes, I'm done with it, I, you know, I, I have a passion, I have, I have something in me that's just burning that wants me to get in that ring, so that's when I started to come back getting back in the wrestling
3: way. You know, I, I know that uh, back in the day, nobody ever talked about this, but, uh, you know, it like it or not like it, it's a whole different world we live in right now, and everything's pretty much in the open. Uh, how much, if anything, did your dad tell you about the inside of the biz, and, and what age would that have been that you were smartened up?
1: Smart? I don't really understand the question, to be honest with you. Smartened up as in...
3: Well, when you were, when you were 10 years old and your dad was on TV uh, shooting... Uh, shooting an angle with uh with, with Nikolai Volkov. I'm just pulling a name out of a hat. Uh, and, and Humperdinck and, and Bugsy McGraw. Did did you, at, at any point, did you really think he was getting beat up or did you understand? Well, uh, to be honest
1: with you, at that age, my dad didn't let me watch him.
3: Oh. Watch
1: it at that age. No. He, he took that separate. He didn't really want me and things like that to, uh, I, I, didn't, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I never saw that. The only, the only thing I saw, the only thing I got to see was the streets spot, to be honest with you. He, he kept everything else separate. He yeah. never
3: let you watch championship wrestling from Florida?
1: Uh-oh. No. Not until I not until I, not I I started following wrestling and falling in love with it and watching that stuff. You know, I always knew my dad, like, I, I saw pictures, and, of course, I saw, you know, all the plaques, all the trophies, all you know, all the titles on the wall, you know, all the great pictures in his office, you know, of course I saw all that stuff, but I never actually watched the, you know what I mean? I was a little kid. Of course, my dad didn't let us watch. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't like, Oh, you guys here, come watch me wrestle. It wasn't, wasn't like that. Like kind of growing up my, you know, my mom didn't, we didn't just wasn't, wasn't a part.
3: That's interesting. You, You missed some good shit by the way. Uh, so uh, you know that's what made me fall in love with uh, professional wrestling. So well, let me ask you this: When your dad would come home with uh, you know uh, uh, you know stitches in his head or uh, 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 you know or or you know busted knee or whatever, and have to have surgery. Uh, to you, it was just a legitimate. You know, that's what my dad does. He gets his ass kicked and kicks ass.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, it it's it, pretty much what it was. It he uh, never really. He tried to keep, just, I don't know, he just kept it, you know, separate. You know, I just knew he came home and he was always beat up and he would always sleep in a little bit. And I was always so happy to when he woke up and would take me outside and play football with me or wrestle around with me. You know, that's that's how I looked at my dad, you know, not as watching him on TV. Hey,
3: I know to you, this is your life and it's like, you know, why am I talking about this? I lived it. But I think to your ordinary wrestling fan, it's, 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 you know, early in this podcast history, I spoke to Nick Patrick about, you know, being the, the, the son of the assassin. And he had a totally different story. You know, he his dad brought him around a lot, you know, when he was 11, 12 years old. So, you know, you just you, you never know. It's it, it was a totally different business back then. Uh, I would never really ask that question today if um, I was interviewing John Cena's son, you know, uh, just throwing something out there. But the way it was back then. uh just always uh, something that interests me, and I think other fans of how uh, you know what he did, and and it's so uh, interesting to hear that. Um, I was going to ask you about um, your thoughts on their heel run in the NWA. While Jack and Jerry Briscoe were mostly babyfaces their entire career, I thought some of the most entertaining stuff they did. Um, uh, and I guess you didn't see it at the time. Not sure if you've seen it since. Was when they were heels in uh, Jim Crockett promotion. Did you ever get a chance to see that? And I wonder what your thoughts were, because they were great heels.
1: Oh, my God. They were some of the best heels. They were always baby faces. They were always, you know, that fire up baby face. And for once, they got to be bad guys. So they got to, you know, let loose and have fun and be totally different. And they really enjoyed that era and as you can tell with those matches, some of those matches are just legendary. I mean they just are so entertaining and really fun to watch and of course I've seen every single one. I've studied every single one, not just because of my dad and my uncle, but because of Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat two of the greatest baby faces ever.
3: Absolutely. It was great stuff. I always wondered if the it was right around then that the um, that the territory business went away, but I often wonder if they could have come and done one Big angle on championship wrestling from Florida, maybe against Kern and Graham, uh and and uh and turn heel. That would have I guarantee you that would have done some uh, unbelievable business. Uh but it just wasn't meant to be. So before we move on to uh your uh career, Wes, I know you said that you didn't um you didn't get to watch when you were younger and didn't know what you did. Any good Jack and Jerry Briscoe stories once uh once you realize what he did for a living?
1: Like what, what, what type of stories?
3: I don't know. Did you ever go on the road? Uh, you know, any? Uh, you know, you told the story about Hillbilly Jim sleeping in your head. Uh, uh, did you, uh, you know, just curious what you thought of your Uncle Jack, uh, you know? Uh, well,
1: I mean, what I thought of my Uncle Jack, he's absolutely a legend, a hero, a uh, guy that gave back to his community someone that i've looked up to with someone that i hopefully i can be a man that he was he was a unique human being and one someone that was very very special to me dear to my heart and i miss my uncle tremendously and he is someone that i will always 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 look up to as a role model and as a hero my uncle jack is the man
3: absolutely um did you, I'm assuming that you did amateur wrestling in, in high school? Yes. Amateur wrestling.
1: I was a four-time, uh, four-time Western Conference champion, two-time state champion. I have uh, two different black belts in Taekwondo and Kung Fu.
3: Oh, wow. So you earned your keep as a Brisco for sure. Do you ever think about doing it in uh, in college, or is that when you took the, the left turn into uh, wakeboarding?
1: Oh, that's when I wanted to do weight Morning. I just wanted to do something different, you know. I had uh, scholarships, and people are offering me to, you know, you know, go wrestle for the colleges. But I, I wanted to do something different, and I wanted to step outside of the realm and do something just totally, totally different. And you know, I, I, I have no regrets.
3: So you said that your dad, like when you were younger, would do some amateur wrestling with you. At what age did uh was do you decided that you wanted to uh to follow path, uh, and you had, the, you had the, the vision for it. Is that when he started training you a little bit on professional wrestling?
1: Uh, he, he didn't train. He trained me a little bit in the beginning, but he left the training up to my coaches, which was Steve Kern, Norman Smiley, Dr. Tom Pritchard, Dusty Rhodes, and uh, that's who he left the coaching up to. Uh, he, he wanted the coaches to teach me. He never wanted to step on anyone's toes. He wanted me to learn. And then once I finally got to a level, then he finally uh, then he finally taught me. The first time he got in the ring with me, I had uh, Dusty Rhodes, Norman Smiley, Dr. Tom. They're all sitting next to the, round the ring. It was one day after uh, uh, FCW practice. Everyone's left. It's just me and my dad. And I'm kind of joking around like, oh, I get to wrestle my dad. And, like, he sees me joking. He punches me, square on the nose, breaks my nose. I start <laughs> bleeding. I look at him. I go, what's going on? He goes, you never make fun of our business. And I didn't know, you know, I had, you know, his heroes sitting next to the ring. You know, one Smiley, Dr. Tom, Dusty Rhodes, Steve Kerr, all guys that, you know, looked up to my dad. And here I am kind of joking around. And then I looked at him. I go, hey, you want me to clean the blood off? And he goes, no, we're going to go out right now.
3: Oh, my goodness. Now, that's a Briscoe story. What you say? Give me, what's a Briscoe story? That's a Briscoe story.
1: Yeah, know, yeah, I wasn't really learning her cronies and doing all that stuff. I got punched in the face. Uh, that's when I were old school it's with my dad, you know? It's a little bit different the way I always trained.
3: How'd y'all explain that to your mother? Um. Uh, I tripped? Uh, there was no explaining. I didn't say
1: <laughs> nothing. I said, I, I, I said I bumped the fell.
3: There you go. Uh. Have have you and your dad? Uh, I'm assuming when you went 90 minutes, you did a little shooting. Any, you got any? Would you have any chance even to this day of uh of 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 stretching your dad in a shoot?
1: No, negative.
3: So he's, he was that good. I knew. I know he's that good. And is his uh? But uh, you no, know, at
1: 72 years old, he will break anybody's arm, choke anybody out. I'll bet out.
3: That's kind of like hey. why I like everything he puts on Facebook, even if I don't agree with it.
1: <laughs>
3: no, he's a I, I would love... That's why my room was always clean. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so 2009, you go to uh, FCW of all places. Uh, at that point, I'm, I'm guessing that you realized what a lineage you had, and especially in the state of Florida, and the name Florida Championship Wrestling, it, you know, what, what kind of pressure is there walking into uh, that kind of situation where you're the son of J- Jerry Briscoe walking into Florida Championship Wrestling? And, and saying, "Yeah, I want to learn how to wrestle."
1: I've never been more scared in my life. Um, that's a that, dead uh, honest. I've bungee jumped over 670 feet, seen the ground two inches from my face. I've, you know, been a professional wakeboarder. I've done all these crazy fights. I've done a lot of crazy stuff in my life. And the scariest day was when I walked into that SCW and saw all those guys and how hungry everybody was, and nobody cares what your last name is. Everyone's fighting for a spot. You know, that was it, was it was really scary and intimidating, but I handled it well.
3: Yeah, just the, the fact that it was in Tampa, Florida. You know, I, I, I don't know that it had been any different if it was in Dallas or Los Angeles, but I'm sure it couldn't have helped being in Tampa. You know, uh, you, uh, you, your uh, family has uh, businesses here and, uh, you know, just uh, uh, superstars in this, biz- in this business and heroes in this town. So, uh, so yeah, that took balls walking in there. And, uh, and, and so, so tell me about your time in FCW other than your dad punching you in the face and straight for an hour.
1: Man, I had some of the greatest times of my life. You know, I met some of my greatest friends from Johnny Curtis, which is Fandango, Chief Slater, (laughs) Bo Ritondo, Roman Reigns, you know, Wyndham Ritondo, which is a Bray White, you know, like all those guys are truly, truly good friends of mine. And, you know, I was tag team champions with the Xavier Woods, which is part of the new day. Me and him were going to be, I, we were about to debut on a Monday night raw. And the night that we were about to debut, I had to, uh, we had to lose the uh, tag team titles and, um, I ended up blowing my knee that night and, you know, the rest is rest, you know, once you, you know, I got hurt and, you know, it's that program. So then I got released, but uh, I had a really great time there and I learned so much and the coaching and the staff and just learning everything about the business, you know, that's really, truly the greatest place to learn. I mean, the performance center, SCW, whatever you want to call it, WWE developmental, that is a place to learn other than the monster factory. And there's a couple other good places, but to really learn your craft and get the exposure with the TV, the cameras, knowing your time, you know, knowing how important the referees are. They make sure you know everything from tough to bottom.
3: Yeah. And, you know, there's people talk about, you know, who are the uh, most famous trainers. And uh, Steve Kern to me is, is totally under, uh, if, if, if you make a list of who are the best trainers in professional wrestling, uh, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I know he just got an award at, at cauliflower alley club uh recently out in um las vegas but if you look at at some of the the wrestlers that, uh, the list of wrestlers that he's uh produced it's it's really like not only a who's who of of the top independent guys in the last 20 years in the state of florida but also most of the top guys in wwe right now yeah
1: too i mean you got also look at dr tom pritchard which trained the Rock, you know um steph mcmahon you know like um, shame it, man, you know, Dr. Tom Pritchard trained Kurt Angle, some of the top, top people, you know, Dr. Tom Pritchard, you know, trained everybody and Dr. Tom is the best with training. He is the best at learning the fundamentals, learning the proper way to hit the ropes, learning, you know, the proper foot steps, you know, not wasting one motion in the ring. And he's one of the greatest teachers I've ever been blessed to be in the ring with and, Man, if any young wrestler is going to chance, you know, please go to one of Dr. Tom's seminars. You will learn so, so, so much.
3: Talk about working uh, with Dusty Rhodes. I know he was there uh, helping with interviews.
1: Oh, and I, one, 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 one more sure. thing, one more thing. I, uh, I actually went an hour or two with Dr. Tom, there was one time in FCW. Uh, it was mandatory that everybody had at least do one match, go at least one hour and do one match for an hour in front of all the boys. And uh, everyone was kind of scared. And Dr. Tom's like, "I'll be the first guy I get to get there." And everybody was scared. And I was the first person to raise my hand. I was like, "I'll go an hour." So me and Dr. Tom went an hour, and what an experience that was! One of the greatest experiences of my life.
3: Wow! Not to put you on the spot, but what was the better match—going an hour with your dad or an hour with Tom Pritchard?
1: Um, Tom Pritchard didn't stretch me. Big so <laughs> <say> Tom Pritchard. <laughs>
3: there you go. Uh, tell me, talk to me. I don't know how much you got to work with Dusty Rhodes. Almost every person that we interview on this show, uh, uh, whether they work with Dusty in the business or they work with Dusty in in WWE, has a uh, you know talks about how amazing it was to to work with Dusty Rhodes. And um, I don't know how much you were around Dusty when you grew up because you said your dad kept you away from the business. But tell me about uh, to working with him in in developmental.
1: I got to work with Dusty every single day. I was blessed to be able to sit next to him and get to talk with him and get to pitch his brain. And I mean, I've always known dusty. I was just because, you know, in Florida, he grew up in, well, I mean, he grew up in Tampa, but he had his house in Tampa. Of course, you know, having his house in Tampa, they would always come over. We'd go over to his house. So we we're always really, 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 really close. But just being able to have the opportunity to sit next to dusty and have him help me come up with promos and, see how to be creative and be different and be unique and not fit in that normal bubble of being a professional wrestler. And he has one of the greatest minds of developing characters that I've ever been been around. I mean, he is just one of those, you know, few special ones.
3: You know, it's, it's amazing. I got to tell you, uh, there's only 24 hours in a day and maybe eight to 10, 12 hours in a work day. Uh, I don't know how he did it, but somehow Dusty Rhodes got to spend uh, uh, meaningful time almost every day with so many of the guys that we and gals that we've spoken to on this podcast, and 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 verbatim. I mean, it's all, it's the same you just said. You know, I got to spend every day with Dusty, and you know, it was precious, and and, and I learned so much, and uh, you know, Tyrus and and Allie and just so many. You know, whether whether it was somebody like Allie who just went there for a weekend. Uh, or somebody like Tires who worked with him, you know, for over a year. But it's just amazing how. Well, I'm going to also
1: tell you, choose something about that. come with him, a bullshit idea or don't or don't come 100%, he'll kick you out of his office and he won't give you a time of day. I'll tell you that right now. Really? If you do not believe in what you were telling him and believed in what you were pitching or. You know, we just half-assing that, he would kick you out. You you had to be a hundred percent willing. You know, uh, you know, believing in what you're pitching to him, or if he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't give you the time or day because if you don't believe it, why would he believe it? You know. So he was also he was he was also pretty hard on you. You know, I, there's been times that he's kicked me out of the ring and said that promo was garbage. Wes, what are you doing? Why are you even here? But you know, he also did that to push me to make me work harder. Yeah. So he wasn't he wasn't no easy person to wasn't no easy person to please. I'll tell you that much.
3: Well, looking back and, and hearing so many different people talk about him like they like they did and like you do, maybe one of the reasons is because he was honest and and refreshingly so. Because you know, this is a where so many people you know is you know tell you what they think you want to hear. or, You know, don't bother uh, or or don't bother. They don't have the time to. To, to give you the critique, you know, they just move on to the next person. So, uh, that's refreshing yeah. in the business. So you're injured, unfortunately got released, uh, right before your debut, you go to Puerto Rico. Uh, how was, how was your time in Puerto Rico? And I ask, if you been a guest in Puerto Rico, this, uh, more importantly, did you get paid? Cause my check bounced. <laughs>
1: I got paid. I love Carlos. Carlos. Always took care of me. And, um, I, I love Carlos. He always made sure I needed, I had everything I needed. And, you know, <laughs> one time, uh, a little story, I should probably be telling this one, but I'll tell you anyways, I'm old, so don't matter anyways. Um, it was right before I'm about to uh, debut on TNA, do the gut check. And uh, at the time I started living in uh, Puerto Rico, wrestling for time. And uh, I was, you know, talking to this nice little beautiful Puerto Rican girl, you know, and next thing i, know, I get sure. punched in the face and i get my tooth knocked out and i'm like oh my god i'm about to you know like i you know i end up having to fight my way out of the bar which you know of course you know i hold my arm you know i ain't scared of a little bar fight but uh end up you know i'm like oh my god what am i gonna do I, i'm missing a, a tooth i'm about to debut on gun check i can't be on tv looking like that but thank god carlos you know carlos is the man on the island and he got me a dentist right away, and you know we put that tooth right back on in there, and I was smiling beautiful as ever. <laughs>
3: there you go. It's it's amazing how many stories uh, uh, that you're telling have to have have the 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 part in them that says that I got punched in the face. Oh. It seems to be a recurring theme. Yeah,
1: you know, you know, I ain't scared <laughs> to get punched in the face. You know, it won't be the first time. It probably won't be the last. You know, but I don't go down. I keep fighting. Yeah. I'll tell you that much right now.
3: It won't be by me. I can promise you that there ain't enough vodka in all of Tampa. To...
1: It would never even come to that because we're too good old friends, my... <laughs> yeah, we, we, we would never do that. We're brothers.
3: You know, the funny thing is, is I love the colognes too. I love Carla and 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 Eddie and 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 Carlito and and uh, <laughs> and and that's that's why he. Uh, it's one of the reasons why they've been able to to get people to stay and get. You know, it's great that you got paid, but for some reason, all the heat goes on Jovica. And, and even though Carlos is co-owner of the company and Carlos has such a, he's such a nice guy and such a charisma that, that y- you don't blame him. You blame Jovica and Carlos, you know, everybody it, it loves him and, uh, uh it, it's amazing. It's, uh, but yeah. Well, I,
1: I mean, Carlito, Primo, all those, I mean, they're all my boys. I love Carlos Cologne. and I love everyone everywhere about that. I know sometimes, you know, stuff happens, but you know what? He was good to me. And I got nothing but good things to say about him. And, you know, I, I got, I got Carlos' back.
3: Hey, here's, here's the thing about, and I've told this story before, but just so you understand, I wouldn't have cared if the check bounced. The problem is, is when I got back to Tampa, everybody told me go to, when I left, was leaving Puerto Rico, everybody said, as soon as you land, go to a check cashing place. And if you can cash that check, make sure that they cash it because there probably won't be any money the next day or the day after that. So I went. I landed in in Tampa. Went to a check cashing place, cashed the check, and I was like, "All right, cool." Two days later, they called me and and the check bounced. So I would have been cool if the check just bounced. I would, you know, they 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 flew me over there and I had a a, a vacation in Puerto Rico. I that that would that would have been cool. But the fact it cost me five hundred dollars plus service fees. That's the part that always gets me. But it, you know, life's short, so it is what it is.
1: Well, you know, well, it's kind of your fault. You know, first uh, rule of wrestling, you don't take checks, man. You always take cash.
3: <laughs> that's why. That's why everybody told me to uh, go to the check hey, cash you, hey, you,
1: always, you always take cash. You know, you get hey. the cash before you lace up them boots.
3: Hey, when you're a five, when you're a five-six, unath- unathletic, forty-year-old ring announcer on the island of Puerto Rico, and they say we're going to give you a check, you take the check and hope for the best, and get and and and. Uh, I'm just gonna tell you. So uh, you might have been able to ask for cash, but uh, this uh, this uh, this unathletic sob was gonna take whatever they gave him. I I, 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 have, I, have, I have I have no hard feelings. I just like to mess with them, and and God bless them. They're finally getting back up on their feet, and I heard uh, they're gonna actually have anniversary shows this summer. So uh, so great for them. Cause yeah, I, so
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna actually try to reach out to them and do a. Uh, do one of the shows for them for free and come out there and, uh, support and try to help the Island and do what I can to, you know, help back. You know, I donated a lot of clothes, uh, donated a bunch of uh, money and clothes that I rounded up from a bunch of friends to try to help to the Island. Cause I lived there for a year and a half and not only did I mean a lot of fr- like wrestling, uh, you know, people there. I also met a lot of surfers and a lot of people that became close friends that were not just in the wrestling business, that were just, you know, normal people. So I try to help back as much as I can. You know, I love Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a great place. Beautiful people, beautiful food, great waves, and just an awesome place to be.
3: I agree, and uh, your, your family taught you well. That was a, uh, a cool thing to do uh, for them and cool to offer to go over there. I'm sure they'd love to have you for the anniversary shows. Uh, so 2012, you go to TNA, um, you did the gut check thing and eventually they teamed you with Garrett Bisch- Garrett Bischoff. And I have to say the only job with more pressure than being a Briscoe is probably being Eric Bischoff's son. So they put you two together as a tag team. Did you guys like take that as a challenge? Like Eric Bischoff's son and Jerry Briscoe's son, we're going to, we got something to prove.
1: Well, I mean, I really, at that point, I really didn't think I really had too much to prove myself because I was in FCW for so long and I've already wrestled some of the greatest people like Seamus and Wade Barrett. And you know like you know what I mean? My confidence was pretty high. Like I wasn't my, you know, he was, he was a little bit more worried than I was.
3: Yeah. I kind of meant it that way.
1: You know what I mean? Like he wasn't a WWE developmental, so he didn't have the experience and, you know, I, I, I was already in, uh, WWE developmental and then, of course I was in Puerto Rico you know I've, I'm doing matches every single day you know I've, I've already wrestled some of the top guys and most of the guys I've mentioned are have been WWE former world champions so at the time I was pretty confident in and, and, and me I always I like so you know I, I love Tag with Garrett you know Garrett's a great dude and he's one of my good good friends but um, I, w- I was pretty like I, you know I was ready to Kick
3: some, I was ready to kick some ass. Yeah, I got. Just so you know, I kind of meant it like that. Like as a mentor, you know, did you take it as a challenge to 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 guide him through? Because you know, like I said, you know, I, being Eric Bischoff's son has to be, you know, have to has to come with a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, maybe as much pressure as being anyone's son has since Bill Watts back in the days when Eric was wrestling. Yeah, I
1: would say I would say it's probably even more pressure. And you know, I I never had to really take him under my weight because he excelled and he did really well. We were just, I was more a brother to him. We, you know what I mean? We were, I wasn't no mentor. We were brothers. We were just brothers And you know, I would help him out and he would help me out with stuff. So we had each other's back and we, it was never nothing like a mentorship. We were just brothers and good friends and I'm sure he would say the same thing. You know, he he's one of my brothers.
3: Sure. Absolutely. So you, you find your way in Aces and Eights, which I thought was a pretty cool angle. I was I was done with the company by then. Um, I believe our paths just crossed at the time. It
1: was right when I was, like, I believe the first couple of days I was there, you were there. Yeah, I think so. I, I was just there, like, not doing anything, just introducing myself.
3: Sure. I remember that, actually, now that you bring it up. So what, what were your memories of, uh, of Aces and Eights? It was a pretty... Uh, uh, cool angle for its time, and, and how fun was it, you know, sort of being getting to live, uh, albeit, you know, just as, a TV, uh, just as a TV product, but still to be able to live that gang men- mentality uh, as a character.
1: Man, I loved it, and I uh, every person that was in the uh, Aces and Apes, we were all, we all became really, really close friends. We all became brothers, and that's why when you looked at it and you watched it, we were really friends we really hung out we really actually went out and drank together we actually you know partied together we were all really really tight and you could see that and that's the reason why it always came off so real and so edgy and like good looking because you know we all meant it and we all gave it 110 percent. because we're like man this is really hot this is a new idea this is something that's gonna really get over and at the time, boy, it got hot. I'm not going to lie. Like people were digging
3: it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, people talk about the heart, you know, broken mat and the Hardy deal. I, 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 I think it's similar, not exactly the same for sure, but similar to, uh, you know, uh, aces and H, you know, is a totally out there angle and, uh, uh, something that hadn't been done before. And, you know, like really like, you know, living almost it sounds like you were living that gang mentality you know of of hanging together and partying together and 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 I I really like the angle I always I always did Uh, uh again you know with angles like that like you know the NWO and 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 there's so many things where you you don't know it, it's kind of hard to figure out how to end it so uh, uh kind of uh, petered out a little bit but at its height I thought it was uh, awesome and uh sounds well, like Well I mean they
1: it, they I mean no they could have done a lot more with it they could you know, like there were, there were ideas that were is going to turn maybe where, you know, I turn babyface and maybe I start my own, you know, group. And like, there was a lot of different routes we could have done with it. And the reason why it got the can, and I'll be straight up honest with you, is because they hired all new writers, all new management, and none of the new writers and none of the new management wanted any old stuff that was done that they didn't come up with. So anything that they didn't come up with got it. So that's why you saw all that stuff just all of a sudden just come to the end out of nowhere.
3: Yeah, uh, it happens much too often in our business, unfortunately. And I, I I lived it, too. You know, WWF bought WCW, as you know. And, you know, we were going to be a whole different brand and, and uh, you know, then have the Super Bowl of wrestling. And it only took a couple of weeks before they basically killed off an entire company uh brand so uh unfortunately that seems to happen a lot uh when there's change of uh management people want to do their own stuff even if there's stuff that they're inheriting uh is pretty damn good uh it's unfortunate
1: yeah um, and we were the top and we were the top selling merch we were doing really well we were we were doing really 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 well and um you know it is what it is. And you know, I had a blast and I don't look back at it and you know, all all I can say is I had a really good time and I enjoyed every minute of it.
3: Uh, any other thoughts from your time in TNA?
1: Um, man, I to be honest with you, like I just wanna give out a couple of shout ups. Like a guy that really took me under a guy sure. that really took me under his wing and really didn't have to, Austin Aries, man. He was a guy that you know, took me under his wing and uh D-Von. Divon's another guy. Divon and Austin Aries, they really those two guys and Samoa Joe. Austin Aries, Samoa Joe, and Divon, they took me under their wing. They everyone else kinda were kinda stand off like stand off, you know what I mean? Like kind of stayed away from me. And those guys would let me hop in their rent a car. Those guys wouldn't let me pay for a hotel. They let me stay in there with them for free. You know, they they just share knowledge with me and you know those three dudes. I I really really and I never knew any of the guys before that. So that was that was kind of cool. I, I knew Knox beforehand. I knew Garrett beforehand. I knew um 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 Luke Gallows beforehand. What well, you know I, I, I actually wrestled Luke Gallows a couple times in FCW, but uh, I, I, n- I never knew Samoa Joe and I never knew Austin Aries and I never know Devon and. Those three dudes, they really, really took me under their wing and really showed me the ropes and, you know, didn't make me have to pay for my rent a car or didn't make me pay for a hotel room. They, you know, they were like, come on, Wes, come stay with me or hop in my car. You know, well, I got you, you know, and truly respect and not expect anything out of it. And, you know, of course, I'd, I'd buy them dinner or whatever I could to do to just show they like, hey, you know, like I, I respect what you did for me, you know.
3: Yeah, I don't know Austin Aries all that well, but uh, I know the other two real well, Samoa Joe and Devon, and, and those that's the kind of guys they are. They're great guys, and uh, I'm sure Austin Aries is too. It just it seems like, uh, you know, was he a vegan back then? Yeah, he was, and actually um,
1: I tried some of his vegan food and some of it wasn't so bad, <laughs> believe it or not. He never forced it on me, and to be honest with you, he's not the vegan that forces anything on you. I would start sit next to him and eat a steak. He wouldn't, he wouldn't care. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't, you know, he'd never, he never would push his values on him, but I would always try stuff. He would always offer it to me. when he offered it to me, I'm going to at least try it. I always thought you might as well try everything once, you know, you never know. You might like it. Sure.
3: But, but we shouldn't expect a vegan West Briscoe in the future is what you're saying.
1: Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now, but I do, I, I do support Austin Aries. And people should go uh, check out his uh, book. I believe it's called Food for Fight. Uh, his book, Austin Aries' book, uh, I believe it's on Amazon. Check it out. It's a good book.
3: You're good at this promotion thing, man. You should do it more often. Uh, <laughs> I would uh, find some people to pay me, do it. I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're going to get to that part in a minute where you can tell them where to find you. I do want to point out you went to New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling in 2014 a couple times. Seems like, you know, I've seen you wrestle and, and we've talked about how, how good of a wrestler that I think you are and and, 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 and you are, quite frankly. Um, New Japan seems like a perfect fit, uh, you know, style-wise. Uh, how come it didn't work out long-term? Um, I had some other things
1: going on and um, I'm hopefully going to be back there soon. So everything's good. I can't wait to be back there. So we're, right now we're trying to look work on dates right now.
3: Oh, good. That was my next question. So you answered it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Good luck with that, man. I think that that would really, uh, I think that would really uh, be something that uh, that you would fit right in, right along with. Um, so w- before we talk about, uh, you know, how people can follow you and you know any other future plans other than uh, other than New Japan Pro Wrestling, which we just found out. I- I'm curious, your parents, on a scale of one to a hundred, one being no problem and a hundred being uh, furious uh how did your parents re how do your parents react to uh uh all your tattoos
1: uh 100
3: <laughs> dad too huh
1: yeah oh my god my dad's the worst i can't even take off my shirt in front of them
3: does did that have any uh, did that have any bearing because you i know how much you respected your dad did that have any i mean did you think about that when you were getting them and you were just like i'm just doing my own thing and
1: yeah but uh- I, I did, but at the time i you know i'm I, I was i'm out of the house i'm I'm a grown man I waited to i was twenty four years old so i pretty much you know was on my own so I believe that I was able to get one and he hates it, but you know i'm a I'm a grown man and I can make my own
3: decisions yes you are hey um and i know you're talking about new japan pro wrestling any uh i know you've had a lot of hits and misses and 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 bad bad luck situations any uh, wishes to end up in WWE down the road?
1: Of course, you know, why not? Why wouldn't you not want to be at the WrestleMania? You know, like, WrestleMania is the Super Bowl of wrestling, and if if you don't want to be at the top of your level and at the top of the show, what's the point of lacing up your boots? You know, I've, I've actually been talking with ROH, a couple companies from Europe, MLW. Right now, I'm the TV champ of uh, Great North Wrestling in Canada, Montreal, Quebec. Uh, I've been also wrestling for UCW TV, which we just started getting TV. There's a couple of other things that I'm in the works with. So, you know, I'm staying busy, and there's a bunch of opportunities. And uh, I'm just recovering from a knee surgery. I ripped my patella tendon completely in half about eight months ago, and now I'm 100%. I kind of kept that under the radar, to be honest with you. You're the first person I've ever told. You're the first person that's ever heard that. That's the reason why I was kind of set out for a year because I just wanted to heal up and, you know, make sure I come back 110%. And, you know, I don't ever want anybody to feel sorry for me. I'm not going to do no GoFundMe account. You know, I'm going to be a man. I'm going to, you know, buckle down and do what I got to do to get back in the ring and get my knee stronger. And right now I'm 110%. And, you know, we got the uh, bunch of good stuff coming up and the show in Minnesota um, I got a bunch of this. I'm blessed to be booked right now, a bunch. And, you know, any other companies that want to book me, feel free to hit me up. Uh, how did they hit you up? Well, you can find me, you can find me at bookwestbriscoe at aol.com. Um, I'm not on Facebook too much, but uh, bookwestbriscoe at com. You can also get me on Twitter, West Briscoe. I'm the blue fly check. You can hit your boy up. I'm also available at westbriscoe19 on Instagram.
3: Yeah, How how'd you get that check? I'm, I've been, I've been, uh, trying to get that blue verified check. How did you, how, how'd you have to do what'd you have to do to get that? Well, uh, I don't know.
1: I, I guess you kind of got to, you know, work hard and, uh, and, uh, I don't know. I just kind of got, I guess blessed with it.
3: All right. Hey, I know you've had a couple bad breaks in the last few years, but you're a class act and, I uh, look forward to seeing, uh, a great future. So, uh, best of luck. Thank you for joining us and, uh, for the podcast city ringside and uh and and we'll follow your career and maybe have you back down the road
1: man you better have me back or i'm definitely gonna slam you (laughs) in that
3: case let's book it now
1: (laughs) (laughs) no but thank you so much for having me sitting ringside i truly truly am honored to be part of you guys show. i love your podcast i love what you guys are doing so everybody please check them out they're a great group of guys i love it thank you for having me on your show
3: Hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I like to say conversation. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I always knew Wes is a great storyteller. And uh, uh, I I love the fact that that his dad punched him in the nose. And mother, mom didn't even ask about it. Gotta love wrestling families. And that's one of the reasons I wanted him on. And and I hope to see him uh, uh, for many years because he is a good talent and a good guy. And I thank him for coming on and talking his life as growing up Briscoe, with me here at Ring ringside. Also want to thank Wade Keller from pro wrestling torch. You go to PWtorch.com, jumped on, on his way on a vacation to talk about the big WWE money news. And um, I'm sure there are people in Stanford, Connecticut, especially those who have stock options who are, uh, have a big smile on their face and maybe a bottle of champagne uh, popped because uh, the advantage of getting an extra 2 million plus, 2 billion plus, excuse me, 2 billion with a B over the next five years is uh, is a hefty, hefty sum, not to mention that their stock prices at last glance were through the roof. So thank you to Wade and to Wes. Uh, let us know what you think about having uh, a Wade Keller on, a, a wrestling insider to talk about breaking news. Don't want to do it every week. I really like the the conversational format that we do here. and um, But uh, once in a while when there's a big story, I think it might be fun. And so let me know. I'd love to hear back from you guys. And uh, you guys are great uh, on Twitter. Uh, got a lot of nice shout-outs on the David Arquette interview. People really dug that. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, people are replying on Twitter and letting us know what they think. If you want to hit me up on Twitter or you would just want to uh, follow me, it's at David Penzer, all one word. Uh, the show is at Penzer Ringside, all one word. And if you don't have social media, but you want to touch base, you can go to David Penzer at radioinfluence.com. David Penzer, all one word, at radioinfluence.com. Folks, I am so humbled that you tune in and listen each and every week. And uh, if you enjoy what we're doing, be sure to like, uh, subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, put out a, a mailer in your uh, community. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but thanks for supporting us and uh, help spread the word. We appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to coming back next week. We got a lot of big guests that were in the process of lining up uh, throughout the summer. So stay tuned as they say. And until next week, my name is David Penzer. I'm still sitting ringside. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one.
2: Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence.
3: This is an MMA Insider's Quick Fix on Radio Influence. The UFC maintains production, which, you know, someone asked me, well, what does that mean? And I basically, the best way to put it is UFC, when it comes to their broadcasts,
2: they're going to be able to control the message.
0: And of course they're gonna have control over the broadcast because this is just too was too good of a deal for for ESPN. I'm pretty sure at one point they weren't open to that idea giving the UFC control on on its networks, but the, the the deal was just too good to pass up. This was a pardon my language, Jason. I don't know if we've ever really sworn on the air. This was an oh shit deal by the UFC. Because what happened was was this, and I've talked to people about it, and our sources on this that you know, as far as what we've reported. On these negotiations, the information that we've gotten and disseminated on this show has been pretty on point to date. And in talking to people about this and the way that things went down, the, dom- the the shoe dropped once Fox consummated the deal for SmackDown. And from what I understand, and it's been reported as well, Fox lowered the standing offer that was on the table for the UFC. They got frustrated. They, were, they weren't they were happy. And they lowered the deal. And then that created an anim- even more animosity between Fox and the UFC because the UFC, you know, Ari Emanuel's not used to situations where people negotiate backwards with him.
2: The MMA insiders can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.